0: One of the the things that's kind of important to pick up along the way is uh, that the greatest opposition you have, and please, I'm starting to look at the young people, and you're here for a major reason, and I'm I'm coming after you, because I care about you, and I wish somebody would have come after me. Uh, They just kind of let us roll. But... The greatest opposition you have to growth is yourself. Yeah. And it's in the soul because the soul, we've said, it's, it's uh, capricious. And God made it that way. And he knew that you wouldn't, you know, be on a fast track. He, there are some people that are called to be resurrected in this age. There are others that float around like apples in a, you know, a Halloween party, they just float through. They have a cognitive awareness, but they're floaters. And I've been one, you know, my soul reached out in five or six little tributaries that were just a waste. And, and it's very important that um, you catch early that you oppose yourself. There's nobody out there stopping you. Because when you're called of God and he is behind you, you're your worst enemy. There's nobody else that can stop you. Well, they try and they do. And, you, and, and, and as I've said, there are people sitting here with difficult parent situations father and mother and uh, they seemed to be on a slow track i was i was a crazy man when my parents divorced i couldn't handle it i, I just couldn't and you you talk about uh, you know deranged uh fighting everything and everybody here has a story and and the story doesn't bother god at all you know i think one of the most important words we've heard here was something that probably david said to his daughter and she repeated it get over it teacher get over that past and it it is a real bother because the church is on a uh, i'll use another term a Ferris wheel that just goes round and round with with a lot of information, you know. Because you're free. You, obviously, we're not resurrected, but we have all the equipment to go as far as God wants us. And whenever I don't go somewhere, I'm in opposition. I fight myself. And, and until we put ourselves in the hands of God, one of the things I've loved that I've read is the most boring people on earth. And I'm looking around, I'm not here this morning. Okay. But the most boring people on earth are those that have to have a career. Why? Like, well, everybody has to do something. And I, I, and, and that's what Solzhenitsyn said that, well, he was a writer. He got a Nobel prize, but, uh, yes, you have to do something, but you're sure better off all the way to not oppose yourself to think that you have to place yourself somewhere in the center of stuff. And you're talking to a guy, I mean, you guys live with me, you know, very well. We we just wiped everybody out in the speech. We took three or four kids and inundated Alaska because they had a a sick driven competitor. Get out of my way. You're not ready. You're not, you know. If you heard me say it the other day, and it's it's the truth. If, if you're going to get good in anything, you have to do it and do it and do it and do it and do it. And the most important thing for you, and I think uh, uh, Lewis said it, you know, it's, it's not all this. It's where's your heart? Is your heart, you know, connecting with God? So as we praise today, uh, uh, be, be careful with you. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean. You're looking at it, you know. I got six tickets when I got my Mercedes. Six. And one was in the other year, or they would have taken them away. I was a sick, compulsive, you know, that I had to be in front of all the traffic. And I've seen guys like, you know, and what you sow, you reap. Today, I want to get in that right lane or I'm just going be walking on the street because what you sow is going to come back on you. I remember getting behind some old lady that was going, you know, 55 and I'd say, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. And I've paid for that. Those big guys get after me now and they're big trucks and, (laughs) and I don't know what to do so you know be careful with you you're God's precious commodity he his love is gonna get you home and if there's no such thing really in a way as a fast track because you are are his chosen vessels and uh, he'll take care of you, but nobody out there is trying to hurt you. Do they all love you? No, they can. There are some days when it looks like everybody's after you <laughs> And I've had a chance to talk to those people and I was going to have a career in counseling years ago because I knew I needed it and I thought I might, but it's, it's the long way home. The fast track is embracing the cross every day. What is it today? And don't try to go out and do anything today. Just lift your hands to God and tell him what a disaster you are without him. And, uh, I liked having meet us. I, I can't understand sometimes, and maybe I will one day. But Solomon was there when nobody could stand up, and the presence of God was so strong. Spirit of God came down, and everybody hit the earth. I maybe Whitestone would get that one day. Uh, we sure need it. But you know, there's nothing external out there that's going to help you. It's from the inside out. It's not from the outside in. And you're stuck, you're glued to the outside to a degree. But God looked tonight, you know, as we're praying for Kevin and Ann, and uh, that's quite a trip. Richard and Karen have one. They're going to their mother's funeral, you know? You guys, you know, I don't know how safe you were. I'm sure God unraveled you a little bit with details that you didn't know anything about, but he got you out of it. And Lord help us, let's let's not get into uh, the marriage of tradition. Some of you are so stuck in tradition, you really believe that the Bible is the way home. And you quote scriptures that have nothing to do, but they seem to support something from the same. Well, God has it all in his hand. Yeah, that's good that he does, but are you in God's hand? That's the deal. It's not gonna come from this it's going to come from the inside because God has bought you and brought you above. And, uh, father, we, uh, we thank you for showing us ourselves, help us not to oppose ourselves. You're for us. And if we're for you, If we're for you, nothing can stop the progress of your intention. You don't mess us up. We mess ourselves up. And you catch us in our stupidity. Great one, great father, Uh, you love these dear ones, and you've made us to love each other when we were ugly and spiteful and neurotic. Pathetic individuals. Help us not to tramp through tradition, but to realize you're spontaneous and our music, our our flow with you is everlasting. And when are we gonna start? Help us great one for Jesus' sake. Amen. Let's get
1: That the mercies are new. Yes. <clears throat> kind of uh, overwhelmed during worship at the consideration of my inconsistency and Juxtaposed to that, the consideration of God's consistency and how thankful I am for God's consistency. <clears throat> Are any of you thankful for the Lord's consistency? Yes. You can turn to Romans 7. Thanks, Steve. One day without the Lord's consistency would be a day of trouble. Romans 7. It's a passage we know well here. I just want to catch a piece of this, in verse 18, it says, "For that, I know that in me that is in my flesh <clears throat> dwelleth no good thing, for to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not." Anybody in that spot "For the good that I would, I do not." But the evil which I would not, that I do. Paul's having some trouble here. I don't know if you can relate. Now, if I do that what I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law when I would do good, evil is present in me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity to the law. O oh, wretched man that I am, considering all this, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And thank the Lord for this next verse. I thank God, through Christ our Lord, I've been thinking about choosing and the struggle of the will Have you ever wondered when you're just going to wake up and the struggle of the will is going to be over? You know, just, you're just going to wake up one day and you're just going to want to do exactly what the Spirit of the Lord wants you to do. That'd be a great day. You know, you just, that's what you actually wanted to do. And yet, for me, I wake up and I meet each morning with choosing. Have you grown weary of choosing? <laughs> like, when is the struggle of the will going to end? And what I want to present to you today is that maybe, maybe perfection, you know, you long for the day when just the struggle is over. And you just, you know, uh, you, just, you just wake up and you're just there <laughs> filled with, you know, there's coming a time of maturity, right? But we are not there yet. So what is there to do right now? Well, do you know what there is to do? There is to choose every day to choose to yield my will to will of the Lord. Brother Bill just talked about the reset. I hope you gave that some good consideration. I liked his analogy of the broken leg. And and furthermore, (laughs) the the reset that took place after the broken leg to get it right. Uh, You know, what I have come to treasure with about the mercies of the Lord every morning is that I find I need a reset every day. The Lord knows. That, that I have the opportunity of having a reset every morning. That is some good stuff. Consider the help of the Lord coming your way. His intention today, there's, that you can actually choose the right thing and have a reset to head in the right direction. Paul wrote this not at the beginning of his walk with the Lord. This is, Paul is a mature. He's, he's, he's gone over some things by this time. And he says, this is, you know, the good that I would, I do not. This is, this is, This is a psychotic situation right here, you know? What, you know, the good that you would, you're not doing that, and the what you could, you know? Oh, wretched man that I am. Well, uh, choosing, there's got to come a, um, a desire to not retreat from the choosing that is required. That's what I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you to not retreat from the choosing that is required to walk with the Lord. Maybe perfection looks a lot more like making the right choice again and again and yielding again and again. Maybe perfection is just saying, Lord, I still see what's all in there, but you know what? I'm actually going to choose today to not throw in the towel to yield my will. We've talked a lot about the soul, uh, and we know by now that the soul is not a great thing to trust in. And if you've ever tried to graph, uh, you know, the feelings of your soul, that's a frightening graph to look at. We had... I had a math class uh, back when I taught math. I think we had uh, Julie and Stephanie and Laura Snow and Michaela and um, Addison, uh, no, Allison Winger. Anyway, we were doing a lot of graphing and we had a lot of, we just took a minute before each math class just to talk about the soul. It seemed more important than, than math for that particular class. Um, a, lot of, a lot of drama at the beginning of class and, and uh, really uh, looking back, one of my favorite years. We, we just cast algebra and Saxon out the door and, and spoke about the soul a number. It just seemed to be needing for that day, maybe like every day sometimes. But um, you know, you just, just waking up and taking stock of, of what you would like to do and how you feel and everything and just striking out to the day based on the realm of the soul, that has gotta be one of the most frightening things you could possibly do. And to be a part of the realm of this world is just simply living in the realm of the soul. Not a great place to be. It's got some ups and it's got a lot of downs. Just, just, you just run with the whim of the, the spirit of this age to be run. And you can see how Paul says, you know, gosh, the struggle. What, what you know, where is the help of this struggle? You know, where is, there, where is the end of this madness? And it's like, what, what's the purpose of the Lord to, to give us this, this struggle? You know, Lord... Um, you know, this morning I recognized your mercies and right, right already now, I, I just, uh, when is it going to come a time when, when just, I want to say the thing that's building, not just run a comment out, you know? Like, have you noticed how natural it is just to be you? Just, just You're just going to wake up with your same thoughts that you did yesterday without a change and an, an influence of the Spirit of God. That's, a, that's called, you know, insanity. Just, just doing the same thing, right? Just left to myself, just whatever natural, affinities and just the the spirit of this, it's just gonna run along, ups and downs. What do you like to eat? What do you like to talk about? What's your favorite? You know, I think we put too much weight on just what we like. It It really can't have a bearing on where we're going. And there's a lot of struggle with what we like because we're here in skin, flesh, and bones, you know? Does the Lord know this? And this is what I was thinking about this morning. It's not that he's just aware of that. It's that he created us to be that way. If you take a run through Psalm 139, Man, uh, (laughs) Lord, uh, you know, did you know? Did you really mean to make us like this, you know? Because this is a struggle. Did you mean to make us, you know, have a will that's so strong? I mean, tackle just a little kid that wants to do something for a minute, you know? The struggle of the will. Brother Bill always says, he hasn't, you know, he jokes about people saying, you know, they're just a strong-willed one. Well, there are different kinds of wills, you know? My daughters were different. One... Wanted just to take a beating and get back on the road just as soon as possible. You know, just the thought of that for the other one was just, you know, the day was over, you know, just totally different. God has a spectrum of people out there that just every thought, every sort of taste and, and whim and interest that you can imagine. And thank the Lord we're not all the same. Have you considered that? Wow so thankful that me and my wife don't have, you know, she's helping me in a lot of, you know, delivering me from OCD. It's a deliverance every day. It's good, you know, and not that I'm going to mix my food ever. But anyway, um, it's a deliverance. Um, You know, it's just some things the Lord, you know, you might straighten the shoes in your coat room and come home and the shoes just... The enemy came in during the day and they're all facing different directions again. You know, it just corporate life is just great for the soul because it doesn't matter what nook or cranny you like to take a hold of. It's not a good place for OCD. It's just going to you're going to run into problems every day. Just the Lord's going to deliver you. Um, but I just want to say, if we have a good God, he's going to he, he is at work to deliver us from this <laughs> this grip of the soul, <laughs> uh, this Uh, implacable uh, nature this this you know this force that is just I mean the force of the soul if you just notice in the world it is I've been I've been reading about just the last six months of World War II, just the forces at work you know with Russia and America and just the power of just the drive of man just just incredible just just for greed and destruction it's just it's just it's horrible like even, and we're not, I'm not gonna tell you amazing stories, but just, you know, considering the, the fact that the U.S. looked at, you know, Berlin, they knew the Germans were gonna make the final stand, and they're like, you know what? We're gonna let the Russians, who just happen to just throw their people at the wind, go in there and take that, because they've got millions to spare. Just, and just the slaughter of the two, you know, he took, Stalin took two of his top Russians, and he's like, he knew that Zerkov was gonna be the guy, but he's like, you know how we're gonna get this place? I'm gonna keep my two top generals competing the whole time to make it. We don't care about how many men we lose, we don't care what the cost, who can get to Berlin and take it first and put a flag on the Reich Chancellery, you're my man. And so just with no consideration of human life, and you know what, competition is an amazing thing. Pride works wonders. Competition, you hear about competition in the world of contracting, you know, which should be you know, getting things done, putting superintendents, The drive of man, you can count on the drive of man to wake up every morning, pride, it's ready to go, and the natural man and the soul every day. And it's like, there's no deliverance from this fix, there's no deliverance from this entrenchment of the soul. there's no difference in my nature. If you consider what Hitler was trying to do, he just wanted, he was like, we just want the Reich to take the world for 1,000 years. That's the goal. I think we could have, a, have a, a situation here where we could run the whole world for 1,000 years, just a small goal. You know what? We all want to be king of, of whatever it is, you know? And the Lord meets us every morning with what he wants, and the struggle of the will starts off again, and there is a choosing to take place. Are you worn down in the choosing, and and have you discovered that there's help? The sooner you choose, the sooner you get help, the sooner you choose to yield. There is such value in the quiet understanding of where the Lord wants to take you, maybe just for today, what he's been working on for you this week, to give consideration to it, consideration to say, Lord, I am recognizing that you are at work today to remove everything from here that is not of you. <laughs> this is what the Lord's after. It's not like it's okay to have a blend. The Lord's after removing from this heart, from this heart of stone, as Lewis talked about. He wants a heart of flesh, and he's going he's to do that. Turn to Hebrews 11. I, I want to I take a look at a couple of... Uh, Examples of choosing, you know these things. And I love, uh, Diana wrote a song for wedding called Choosing. It's very, very simple and very powerful. But um, there's so much, there's so much importance to not retreating from the choosing each day to yield to the work of the Lord. That's what I want to encourage you with when you walk out of here today. Is to wake up tomorrow and to be willing to keep choosing to yield. This is about Moses. We know this. In verse 24, "...by faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward." If you consider where Moses was at at the time when he started realizing what the Lord might have as a purpose in his life, like life was good for Moses. He just snatched out of the river by Pharaoh's daughter, put right into the, the, the uh, you know, the, the, right next to the throne there in the complex of the rule. Life is good for Moses. He's right there. And, and as he's going up, you know, the Lord begins to reveal to him, you know what? You're here for a purpose that's greater than you. And Moses has to come to a place finally where he actually makes a choice to suffer affliction. Like, what went on during that time? What was the, what was the crucible of what he was realizing? Being in the palace, everything's, everything's good. The, the, the struggle for Moses wasn't, wasn't there in his surroundings, but realizing, actually, the calling for my life is completely opposite to where I find myself right now. And he comes to the place where, we know the story of what he discovers, but God has put the seed in him and he comes to the place where he chooses to suffer affliction with the people of God. That would not have been possible if he didn't have a little understanding of the recompense of the reward. <laughs> where where it's taking you is why you can make those choices. When you see yourself and you realize Oh my God, I don't want to be like this, like me, for the rest of my life. Uh, oh, wretched man that I am. Lord, what's the option here? Because I've proven this this week that um, there isn't any peace. There's no, uh, there's no fruit of joy. There's no fruit of, of uh, a lack of stress coming from my soul. It's producing all those things that I don't like. Uh, Lord, once again, this morning, please reveal to me uh, what you're going to do today that I need to know about I'm going to choose to yield to you. this is This is the simple choice of yielding in this crucible. I just want to say it's worth everything. It's just it's it's the it's the fulcrum of changing the day from just being mere men to moving forward in the growth that Brother Bill was talking about. This is what he said this morning. who Who's the limiting factor? there's no There's nobody but myself limiting me from moving forward to the maturity where the Lord wants to take me. And so if you ask me, you know, how does this actually work? How does it work to get from where I am to where I want to go? I think it is simply the choice. And uh, I want to look at, at uh, Joseph today. I've, been, I've just been pouring through this, the story of Joseph, which we know. Um, and Joseph is one of those unique stories, not quite as unique as Daniel, because um, because Daniel, there's, there's really no testimony in Daniel of any complaints, which is, you know, you know that he was thinking some things, but the testimony of Daniel is just, it's perfect from the start. I mean, talk about, I don't know of any testimony here where right from the start, the, the, the testimony of Daniel is just, it's, oh, and Joseph is right there. <clears throat> you sense a little bit of desire to get back at his brothers, but the Lord has worked in him by that time, and, and with understanding, you know, we all get that. He, he actually doesn't take revenge. But, but I want to take a look at what he went through to get him to that point, because it is easy to underestimate what is actually required to drag me from the quagmire of the soul. It is no light thing. It is no, it's no uh, weekend accomplishment. The, Joseph was in prison for 10 years or more, it's about what they figure. Why do these things take so long? Lord, why, why are you leaving me in the, in the struggle of the heart, and the struggle of mind? Why is it taking so long? You know why? Because the Lord is doing a work that requires that sort of thing. It's good to know that. And that's what I want to look at. In the middle of that work, wherever you find yourself, um, whatever whatever painful situation, uh, it's, it's worth it. And um, I'm trying to see where to start here. I don't want to get into this whole story. Um, but it, it's, um, <clears throat> yeah, let's just open up in, uh, in 39, chapter 39. Um, you know, when you consider the, the dream that Joseph is first given, and we won't read those, but... Joseph has no clue at the beginning of this what was really purpose for his life. He, he, and I can relate to this. He just, like, he dreams a dream. He just runs along as a, as a kid. He dreams a dream of the sheaves bowing down to him in the stars. And he just, he's so, he's so discerning that he just runs into the family tent the next morning. He's like, hey, guys, it's been a great night. I had a dream you guys were all going to love. It was me. I was out there, and all all of your sheaves bowed to my sheave. I don't know. It was amazing. And then I had another one, and the stars, actually. You know, I mean, talk about what not to bring to the work meeting with your brothers. I mean, I don't know. You know, tact might not have been on school for him, but uh, that's not exactly what you bring into a group of, of, you know, these brothers. Uh, This is not going to be well-received. But he just, like just unwittingly, just runs out and just with great confidence, he just rolls out with the vision. Guys, this is amazing. I just, I'm excited about this. Are you guys excited about this? Actually, no, we're not excited about this. Actually, that sounds really self-centered. And the, the amazing thing was, the dream was true. But what he thought that the dream meant was nothing like where it was gonna take him. And I think we've all had those things where we thought we knew what this meant for us, we thought we knew what whatever this Lord bring us out here meant for us. And the actual path that the Lord had planned for us is so incredibly different. I mean, the dream that he has, it sounds just like a, it sounds like a fairy tale. You know, these things bowed to me and that bowed. This just sounds wonderful. We're just in heaven and things are bowing down to me. What's about to take place is 10 or 13 years of the most, the greatest struggle of his life, you know. Anyway. We know what happens. He comes in, and he's, he's sold. And, you know, um, the thing about Joseph is that his brothers really actually intended to do him harm. It's not like they just were trying to keep him from being extreme. They actually were going to kill him. And they threw him in a pit. And the one guy is like, you know, I'll go back and get him, you know. So he runs back, and he's gone, and he just, you know. They were actually going to kill him. It wasn't like they weren't, they weren't really be, being nice guys. And then they're like, you know what, we'll just... Let's, let's just give him to the Midian that's, that's a good plan. And, and furthermore, you know our poor father let's just, let's just kill a kid and put some blood we're gonna, This is a grand story these guys are making up, you know and they hold this plot. I mean, nobody can say anything for, for literally 13 years. They hold this story. you've got to wonder what's going on in any one of those guys' minds, you know just on a given day, you know the weight of this story that they've told their father, who literally thinks a wild animal killed their son like you got to be committed to your plan for, like, you know, 10 of you guys to hold this story. Nobody cracking one time. for that, That's incredible, you know what I mean? Like, you got to imagine there was a lot of services where they mourned the loss of Joseph and someone's just about to say something, you know, and they get hauled up. I, I don't know. But this is, this is real. This is reality. And I, you know, you and me haven't been captured by those people, but I'm just saying these are real feelings that are taking place. And... Um, We come to we come to what happens with Potiphar's wife and Joseph is accused. We all know this, and and uh, you know, it doesn't give a lot. You know, you kind of you kind of wonder if Potiphar kind of knew the type of lady that his wife was because he doesn't. You know, throws him into prison, but he doesn't. You know, not much is given there. And Joseph, this is verse twenty. Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was in the prison. And here's a phrase that you find coming over and over again with the story of Joseph. But the Lord was with Joseph. I love that line because right about now, ah, what, what is going on? Uh, the dream seems a long way off at the moment. I don't know what that was about, but that, that was definitely false doctrine. And it, and it just, it, what it says is the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Do you find yourself? Prison is not a great place to be in. But you know what? It's a great place to be if the Lord is with you. And this is what I, wanted, I want to look at prison for a minute because um, uh, it's a great word to use. It feels to me that the Lord himself uh, goes to great lengths to imprison us with the issues of the soul and to keep us there for long periods of time because... The work that is needed in our lives requires that prison. Does that make sense? Like, the relief that we'd like to have happen, the change that we would like to see, the fact that we'd like to, to wake up and just be able to just just delight. It says in Psalms, I delight to do thy will. and the volume of the book it is written of me, I delight to do thy will. And we have all come to that in things. but. I just, I like the struggle. Lord, when is the struggle to be over? When am I just going to want to do the right thing all the time? That sounds terrific. Like, when am I going to actually want from the bottom of my soul to just say the right thing, to think the right thing, to think building thoughts all the time, to consider others more than, we can't possibly get to the level of that with our own soul. Nobody's soul is made to do that. We're just, we come out self-centered. And so the Lord is, has, for each of us, has got us in the crucible of some prison, whatever the, it's different for all of us, but consider the purpose of the prison that you're in. What is God at work to do? He's at work to work something that isn't able to be done without the prison. Consider the reset. Do I need the broken leg? What, you know, what is the pain? What is the, you know, what is the, the bones that we see that are misfit, that, that don't have a place, that you just wanna put back together right now? I'd like, Lord, there's some situations. I don't think they've gone on for long enough. I'd like to put them back right now. Why is this hanging on for so long? Why is the the tension in this relationship hanging on for so long? Can we fix this thing? And you find some of these situations, no. You know, all the king's horses and all the king's men, they cannot fix something that the Lord isn't fixing right now. Can you be at peace with that? Because there's things in my soul like, Lord, do I need to face this another day? I feel like... I feel like this lack, I feel like this, you know, all of us know the, the plague of our own hearts, right? Lord, why did I say that thing? I don't, you know, I don't want to be the type of person just to say that thing. There it is again. Well, what do you do? Do you stop and run out the door? All you can do is say, Lord, uh, help me for the next time. You're gonna choose one more time to yield again. So we find Joseph here in the prison, and the keeper of the prison commands Joseph, uh, uh, commends into Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison, and whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. And this is a great line. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under the, his hand, because the Lord was with him, and that which he did the Lord made to prosper. You find the same phrase, says for Potiphar, he didn't know anything about what Joseph was doing. We're talking about a, a trustworthy man. But even with all of this, whatever the Lord's put into Joseph, he's not ready to run out and rule a kingdom yet. Whatever there is, there must have been more that was required to deliver him from trust in yourself. And let me say, choosing has a great amount to do with how much you trust yourself. Because if you think about, you know, John Cheever said this, sometime, somewhere, there's going to be, and I truly believe this, a manifestation of people who are filled with the fullness of God. I mean, this is, this is what we're here doing. This is, if, if, you're not, uh, if you're not on the train for that train, Uh, get on it as soon as you can because what we're looking for is to be filled with the fullness of God. Now, let me tell you what's going to happen with that people. Their trust in their own judgment by that time, you know what it's going to be? Zero. And if I stop sometimes to take account of maybe I've got to 50% or 55%, but what does it take to deliver a man from trusting in your own judgment? Wow. I mean, really, to know, to know that you don't know the way to take for any situation <laughs> on any day at any time. Like, I know there's some situations that are over my head, but then if I really am real with myself and honest, I say, Lord, you know, today I thought I had that one. You know, I, I thought I had that one and I, I'm looking back and I, I didn't have that one. I just, I just said what I thought, you know? I just, I just thought I had it wrapped. I thought that I've got this figured out. Like, don't I have anything figured out? To consider a person that actually weighs what you're going to do or say, every bit of it, weighs it through the, the lens of the Spirit, that's a lot to consider. I mean, that, that is what it means to come face-to-face with the fullness, to, to really everything. Is ju- it's choosing, you know? And we're, we'll look at Jesus in a minute as well, but a lot of time went by where he's choosing every day. He says he learned Obedience. He didn't just wake up as an obedient guy. This is Jesus himself. He's learning it. Anyway, in verse 40, And it came to pass after these things that the butler of the king of Egypt and his baker had offended the lord of Egypt, and Pharaoh was wroth against his two officers and against the chief butlers and against the bakers, and he put them in the ward in the house of the captain of the guard into the prison on the place where Joseph was bound. I mean, the, what the Lord sets up here for Joseph to make Joseph the man that he needs him to be is really astounding. <laughs> and he put them in the ward in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison where a place where Joseph was bound and the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them and he served them and they continued to season the ward. And they dreamed a dream. This is 40 verse five. Both of them, each man his dream in one night according to the interpretation of his dream, the butler and the baker. And Joseph came in into them in the morning and looked upon them and behold, they were sad. And you know what Joseph is doing all this time? He's just waking up to be faithful in the prison one more day, to consider one more day what the Lord was doing with him. I was thinking about this. <clears throat> think about 10 years, the sort of questions you'd have for the Lord, like, what is going on? You know, I, you might have thought you had it figured out like five years ago. You're still here in prison. What is going on? I just, you think you see it, but then you don't. Whereof look ye so sad today? And they said to him, we have dreamed a dream and there is no interpretation. So the butler tells Joseph his dream and the vine were branches and it was all this. <clears throat> and Pharaoh's cup was in my hand and I took the grapes and pressed them into, Joseph, into Pharaoh's cup and gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said, this is the interpretation. The branches are three days and in three days, Pharaoh will lift up thine head and restore thee. Right? And it's, this is a great interpretation. The, and uh, the butler, and then he says, but think on me. When it shall be well with thee, and show kindness, I pray thee unto me, and make mention of me unto Pharaoh, and bring me out of this house. You know, that's about to be forgotten for another two years, which is just astounding. Anyway, the baker's like, this is fantastic. I, we got good news. He tells Joseph his dream, and he's like, you know, what's happening to you is they're going to lift your head off from up, you know, that's the end of your dream. Anyway, so at the, it came to pass on the third day. Pharaoh's birthday that he made a feast and he and he lifted up the head of chief butler and the chief baker and restored the butler, just like he said. And then verse forty one, it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed. Oh, was two more years needed for Joseph? It seems almost like it's unnecessary. Like you'd think a lot would have been worked into this guy at this time. But if you consider what's about to happen, two amazing things are gonna happen. He's gonna become number two in the nation. And he's also going to face his brothers and have opportunity to find out, do I take revenge for everything? I've been thinking about this for 13 years, and these guys know exactly what they do to me. Or or is two more years required to actually work in his heart, where when he comes out of prison, it sticks, (laughs) you know, I mean, like, it's real, like, it doesn't fade away. The work that the Lord did, it, I mean... You could forget all that instantly once you're actually ruler of the kingdom. And I want to read a line here because after Pharaoh has this dream and he tells everybody what it is and nobody can interpret it, the chief butler, who definitely was not taking his ginkgo in verse 9, says, "Ah, oh, excuse me, you know, I remember my faults this day. It's Are you for real? It's been two years, you know, like you didn't consider, man, how did I get out of prison? Didn't somebody tell me this going to happen? Like, wow, I don't know. Pharaoh was wroth with a servant. He put me in the ward, both me and the chief butler, and we dreamed a dream. And there was with us a young man, a servant of the captain of the guard, and we told him, and he interpreted our dreams, each man according to his dreams. And Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and I love this, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon and shaved him and changed his raiment and came into Pharaoh. Whatever happened, here's the time when Joseph has it worked into him, What? the Lord was after. He has chosen day after day after day what the Lord was after. And it says here, I want to read this line, it's so good, and the first thing that is on record, the testimony of Joseph, that he says, after he comes out and Pharaoh says this, Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, it is not in me. Wow. That's good stuff. Because I so soon forget on any given day that actually nothing, there is no capability, there is no judgment of of, of proper uh, sense. There's no way that I can do this. As we have heard so many times, the Lord is really serious about working this in us. Don't tire of where you are choosing against your will over and over and over again to yield to the work of the Lord just today. Whatever it is. What's it going to be today on Saturday? I don't know. It, maybe prison's going to extend for two more years. Maybe the the physical or mental or emotional straight that the Lord has allowed for you. Maybe it's not over yet, and you're just ready to be done with it. I mean, I don't know, but what I do know is when we're there, when we actually get it, everything is gonna be hasty. I mean, you you know, once it happened, it's like he called from hastily. The Lord didn't waste a day, I don't think, in the work of Joseph. I don't think one day in that 10 years was wasted for what he was putting within him. To stand there to Pharaoh and say, you know what? I don't know anything. But you know what? And this is a great line. He says, God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Like, <laughs> where did this come from? God's going to give Pharaoh an answer of peace. This is what he knows. And it's like, and Pharaoh tells him a dream, and he comes out and he says, You know, there's going to be seven years, we know this, of plenty and seven years of famine. Seek out a man. And Pharaoh's like, Anyway, it says, You know, you're going to be second in the kingdom. Nobody's going to do anything that you don't know about. You know, I mean, this is crazy. Thrown with all that power, I would say that you need a man that has actually had worked in his heart that he doesn't make one choice that is not under the direction of the Lord. I mean, that to me is what I call a mature position where there's an understanding of the lack. There's an understanding of the lack of capacity in me to choose rightly, to speak rightly, to divide rightly. Lord. Here I am in this situation, but you know what? what? All I know is what I've done the last few times, I've done, I've done something that was of my own judgment, and it didn't look right. Lord, direct me to your judgments. I want to look in Matthew, I think it's, I think it's 6, another, another story we all know, <clears throat> because it's just a, a fantastic little passage. <clears throat> Matthew 26, turn to Matthew 26. Again, the enemy likes to discourage us <clears throat> with the daily choosing that we have to make. Um, and I was, I was talking with uh, Valerie's class. They, they were talking about free will. And, and we had a couple nights, you know, she was really struggling with this concept of free will because, you know, if the Lord knows where you're going to be in the end and he can see that and he's going to actually take you there, as we've heard, well, where's the where's the free will right I mean if, if that's where he's going to get you and this is what I see as the free will the free will is this ch- this simple choice this is the, this is the I'll, I'll present it for your consideration I think the Lord's going to get you where he's called you to take you what's the path going to look like I don't know what the path's going to look like I know that I've taken some diversions off that path that that I could have had a shortcut sometimes because I just decided to take my own way, right? I mean, iniquity, there's not good things said about iniquity, which is just simply taking my own way. I don't recommend uh, trying your own way over and over again. It, it just, it, you know, is the Lord going to get you there? You know, we said this the other day. I don't think that, that uh, Jonah was, you know, with a little table and a candle on the whale. I think, you know, if you read what he says about the bars of hell, it's not a great thing. The Lord still got Jonah to Nineveh, but he might have had a nicer passage getting to Nineveh if he wouldn't have decided to run the opposite way. The free will we have that is so important is the simple choice. That's what I think is the free will. you got to come to grips with the calling. Like, Joseph, was he, was he off page with seeing the vision of the, of the dream? of the, No. this is where, do, we, do we have an improper vision of what the Lord's going to fill us with, the fullness of himself? No, he's going to go there. Does it seem so far out some days to almost be unbelievable? Yes, it does. But that's God's job, and that's what he's going to do. I can't get myself there. What is, what is on my plate for free will? Well, it's to be obedient today. It's to say, Lord, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna yield. It's not coming naturally, it's not, it's not what I'd like to do. I've got a different thought about today, but this is what you have before me. And I think it's so significant to realize that it's so different from you and I waking up to decide what cross we're gonna go after, what sacrifice we're gonna make, what great thing. I really believe that the Lord puts on our plate every day puts in our place where we're at, with the people that we're with, with the, with the jobs that we're on, he brings our way the things that we need. I don't need to seek out any more than the Lord puts in front of me. I got a full-time job just acknowledging what the Lord has on my plate and not dancing around it. I can tell you, weeks I've gone asking Lord for something that I kind of know he's after, but I don't really sit down to get on page with him. As ser- he's, he's more serious about it than I am. Does that make sense? Like, the things the Lord's after with me, I am so thankful that He stays after them because I've got a focus that isn't, that isn't committed as much as He is. But I think that He puts before us every day, just consider in your week where you're going to be today, whatever it is. The grand is just, it's simplified into yielding to what the Lord has before you. Whatever it is, this is what is on your plate for today. Lord, I want to be able to choose properly to yield to the thing you have for me because you're doing a work. And here we find in Matthew 26, as we all, we know this. This is such, I'm so thankful that this is put in here. Because you'd think that by the end of Jesus' life, you know, he takes, he takes years of, of, you know, we don't even know, from 12 to 30. He's just, the Lord taking him around, learning, learning obedience to the things he suffers, right? But then when it gets down to the, the very fulcrum of the calling of his life, and he tells his disciples over and over again, he says, you know what? I'm going to the cross. And they're all like, Lord, that is the craziest thing. You know, Peter's got a lot of big things to say about this. He's like, you're not getting it. This is where I'm actually headed. But then we come to the day, and this is in verse uh, 36. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, my soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Talk about the struggle of the will. This is the Lord himself on the most critical night to, to, so far of what he has purposed in his life. And it's not like the Lord is just whistling, going to the cross. And this makes perfect sense to us, but... Don't be discouraged when the conflict of your nature seems to be overwhelming. We have a, a, a Lord that, that actually walked through the same thing himself. Right to the bitter end, what does he say? He says, and he went a little further, and he fell on his face, face and prayed, "O oh my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. I've prayed that prayer. Lord, do I need this right now? And it's nothing as grand as an actual crucifixion, just... Do I need this right now? It might just be a really bad headache, whatever it is. Nevertheless, and this is where the turning point of the free will comes in, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Boy, I am thankful for that last declaration of where the Lord was going because, my gosh, the simple decision, the simple decision to quiet your soul to recognize that the Lord just wants you to yield on something, what he's after, whatever, whatever the form of the prison is for you and me that seems like it's gone on for so long, however far it feels from the vision that you, what you thought yourself doing, what, whatever the dichotomy is of, you've got to trust that the Lord knows exactly where he has you right now. He knows where you're, where, where you're at. He knows who you're with. He's putting on your plate nothing more than what is required to get you home. You've got to believe that. And what he, what every bit of help, the mercies every morning, the reset every morning, every bit of help and, and ability and counsel and, and correct judgment that I need, I got to actually trust that the Lord has provisioned me with that today to simply yield one more time, make the choice one more time that you've made a hundred times. Like, Lord, when am I going to just be that way? There's gonna come a time, I don't know when it is, but don't grow weary of choosing to yield. Don't grow weary when you see your own lack. One more time, when you see your incapacity, because what he's coming up with that is really probably a greater thought than I could think of anything else, he's coming up with a people that really do not trust in themselves. They don't trust in their own strength and own judgment. Given power, consider what you would do with power if you just had some of it that, that we're reading about here. Joseph had to come to a place where he finally faces his brothers and he realizes, you know what, he says something that's hard to believe. He says, you know, I know that you did this, but actually it wasn't because of you that this happened. He says, it was meant for good and not for evil to save you and our nation from famine this day. I mean, it's okay to say that, but to actually realize that the Lord took you through prison, through Potiphar, through another agonizing thing, because... His purpose was a lot bigger than whatever little self-centered thought you had. He says, this was of God. Guys, and I can actually forgive you for what you did because this was purpose of the Lord. That doesn't happen by just a small work that's being done. It happens because Joseph spent day after day coming to grips with realizing, Lord, you're work in my life. I want to get the purpose of this. So take, take advantage of where the Lord has you today. Uh, take advantage, uh, as Lewis said, that he's... He's wanting to write in a heart of flesh. Um, And only he can do that. And don't stop choosing. Amen?
0: I hope you heard. Sorry, that's... uh, No, I'm not going to be here that long. Um, The... um, The five-star line is, uh, but the Lord was with Joseph, and he's been with you and will be. Uh, You don't always see it. It looks like he's punitive, but the the line is is real simple. Uh, There has no test taken you, but which is common like a fly. <laughs> well, <laughs> I've never always judged it that way and some of them don't feel that way. But it, the line is, he will, what you go through with, provide an escape uh, because you're not gonna stay there forever. And I, you know, when you think of, uh, of um, our sister over there and, and others, And and Karen was rejoicing because her mother didn't suffer a long time, which is, we all would like to have. And I've teased, I have relatives that promise to put me down when I need to go. Uh, I don't want somebody uh, keeping me around. But when Elijah stood before the people in the morning, and I mentioned this the other day, but. After the fire, after he called fire down from heaven, he still, I mean, he was pretty clear with God and he called fire down. And, and then uh, uh, he said, well, I'm no better than my father. He, he certainly had a proximity and a favor with God that his fathers didn't have. Okay? But he didn't feel it. And please don't be so foolish, is to diminish your significance and God's work in you, because if Elijah, calling fire, stopping the rain, uh, was about ready to go out in flames, uh, horses on fire and flaming chariots, and he had a bad view of himself, because he knew where the source was. And please, be careful with you. You've all you got. And nobody, <laughs> I say this, nobody, nobody can take care of you. You know, your teachers try and your mothers and dads, but uh, they can't. This has to, you have to do this. I have to do it. And, and knowing I can't is a help. We need to be, in prayer more than anything else. More than anything else we do. And, and that will be one of the hardest things and we have to ask God for that too because we can't do it. This soul is very fickle. As I've said, she's uh, capricious. She goes where she wants. Lord, thank you today for... Uh, you were with Joseph all the way, and you're with us all the way. And, Lord, the pathetic and sick thing in this house this morning is we have so many individuals who don't know it, and they don't believe it. They still want to assert themselves. God, give them mercy. Fall on them. Speak to them, Lord. And as only you can, there's no preaching. There's nothing we can do to help anybody unless you're there in it. For Jesus' sake. Amen.